What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Fitness for Thought. Today, we will be discussing auto-regulation, or in other terms, making adjustments based on your needs. So in this case, speaking directly towards training, um, basically, I would assume that most of you already do this, but excuse me. once you fully understand this concept, I feel like you can better kind of use it to your needs because I, I think people either get way too carried away with this or they don't use it at all. Um, a lot of times in the beginning of their training career, uh, if you will. But yeah, so basically auto-regulation, again, um, my definition for it is just the ability to make changes in your training based on your needs um, or the needs of your competition. So French, does that definition sit well with you? Yeah, that jives pretty well with me. I think it's it's pretty self-explanatory for the most part. Yeah, yeah. And like I said earlier, I think where people get lost in the weeds is how uh, how much to apply this. So a lot of the ways you'll see people apply auto-regulation, common ones, RPE. Um, the RPE system is just a, another form of auto-regulation. So uh, I think we probably covered it in this podcast at one point or another, but RPE stands for rate of perceived exertion. So it's basically just like a um, subjective feeling uh, rating where you can take how uh, you felt about a movement and use it to semi, uh, I guess, use it as a metric to um, measure progress. So a lot of times, like one of the simpler ways to explain it. And, you know, if you're familiar with like the RIR system or reps in reserve, it's a lot similar to that. So um, one of the easier ways to explain it, a lot of times in powerlifting, you'll hear people, they just subtract the, their given RPE from 10. Uh, and that's the number of reps they feel like they could have done at the end of their set. So, you know, if you have a set of five and it's supposed to be at RPE eight, um, it really should feel like you could have done seven if you wanted to. Um, so that's the reason why RPE is a is a good way to use auto regulation is because just like I said earlier, it's subjective. So um, with percentages, I've noticed a lot of times, depending on the individual, um, the percentages can tend to be a little too heavy or a little too light, uh, which is normal in any program, no matter how you prescribe intensity. But how can we combat that a little bit easier? Well, one way is with RPE. Um, so I think that's a great way to kind of go a little bit more based on how you feel in the gym. And there's very specific times of year where I think this is really helpful to utilize RPE. Um, so I think it's a good thing to add into your training. Um, particularly for me, I like to use it for like heavy singles when I'm strength training because there can be some pretty big differences in what you're able to, um, you know, hit for a good single. If you're, if you're training for strength, uh, specifically like powerlifting, depending on how you're feeling, you know, if you got enough sleep the night before, if you ate enough before, um, or just how you're feeling in general, you might be a little beat up or you might be stressed. Like that's another thing people don't think about. Um, that actually plays a big role in, your ability to perform, like how stressed you are. Uh, so, and recover. 
Um, so that's, that's one way to use it. But as I think I've talked about before in regards to RPE, one of the downsides is that sometimes it gets a little bit, uh, what's a good word? How do I put this nicely? Um, it gets a little wishy-washy for certain people, uh, myself included. And, and I think it's just because sometimes people lie to themselves um, and they super overestimate or underestimate what their RPE was. So another thing that I'm a big fan of, and I usually use a combination of both RPE and this, um, is percentage ranges. So I like to use these ranges because it's essentially the same thing as RPE, but it's a little bit more clear at times. Um, so, you know, you might have like 62 to 65% or 62 to 67.5%. Uh, and this just gives you a little bit more guidance, if especially if you're programming for someone who doesn't have much experience with RPE, this percentage range might help them auto-regulate a little bit more because they have a little less, there's there's a little bit uh, more specific of a range for them to hit. Um, so I like these two forms of auto-regulation, uh, but there's a lot of other aspects in the gym where we use auto-regulation. And one of the other ones I wanted to talk about was deloads. So I know we've talked about deloads in the past. Um, it's basically just a break from training uh, where you either take certain days off of training or you perform uh, you know, less work in one sense or the other, either uh, lower the intensity or more commonly lower the volume. Um, and that's supposed to decrease fatigue and allow you to recover and kind of reset your baseline. So this is a great form of auto-regulation Again, you're listening to your body uh, and you're making changes based off its needs. So the question becomes, when do you use a deload? How do you deload? Again, I'm sure we've talked about this before, but just to cover it really quickly, um, I usually suggest after about two to three subpar workouts, you can start to consider a deload. And by subpar, I mean you're consistently missing out on some form of progressive overload. So if you're training for CrossFit and you're supposed to do timed stuff and you're just not hitting the time, you're not improving at all, like two or three times in a row, um, meaning you're day two out of the week, one week you notice you're not performing well. And then the next week you didn't perform well again. And then maybe the next week on top of that, you still, your time's still not getting better then it might be time to consider beat uh, a deload because you might be beat up, you might be a little sore. Um, so after two to three subpar workouts or just excessive soreness, um, that's just not going away. So a lot of times, sometimes uh, when you're deep into maybe a hypertrophy phase, you'll notice you're just really super sore. Um, and sometimes if it's early on enough in the phase, you can just drop a couple of the sets and it'll help kind of reduce the volume enough for you to still have good quality of sets. Um, but a lot of times it's just because you're too deep into the, into that phase and, uh, you just need a break. So, um, on average for a lot of time, for a lot of people, um, you can kind of mark out when this is. So like for me, I like to do every like six to eight weeks, I'll do a deload. Um, but a lot of times if, if someone's more of a beginner, um, uh, as far as like experience level in the gym, 
they might be able to go, you know, 12 weeks without a deload. Um, so it, it's totally dependent on the individual, but those are a few different ways you can check that. Uh, and again, I think the better you get at that, the more successful you will be in the long run. And that's again, just another form of auto-regulation. Um, so I've kind of sped through a lot of this French. You got anything to add so far? No. Yeah. I really liked, I like the idea of the percentage ranges. I actually wrote it down on a note, so I might actually use that. Um, as far as the, yeah, like Nolan said, a lot of people can kind of, and I don't even know if it's as much of like lying to yourself about like how many reps you have in the tank. Just like they've done like studies about, you know, they tell the study participants, like maybe it's like a leg extension or something. They'd be like, all right, do as many reps as you can. And they do as many reps as they can. And then they have another one where they do it again. They're like, all right, do as many reps as you can. But they have people like pushing them. Like other people are like, all right, one more, one more, keep going. And they end up doing a lot more reps. They really, a lot of people don't really know how far they can push themselves. And like, that's the one thing that gets a little bit tricky with the RIR and the RPE is a lot of people might think they're at an RPE eight, but really they're at an RPE six or five. A lot of people, and I think that's one thing that just comes with training experience. Beginners, a lot of times don't know what they're capable of as you get older. And I mean, I haven't really used the RIR or the RPE system very much at all. So I probably wouldn't be very good at it either. But I think if it's something that you use consistently over time, you will get better at it. So I think it's something that kind of pays dividends over the long run if you choose to go that route, as opposed to just um, straight percentages. From my experience, um, I work with athletes for the most part, and we pretty much do everything percentage-based. So it's a little tough. Again, when you have a larger group, when you're working with one or two people, it's a lot easier to probably do RPE. When you have a group of 15, 20, 30 people, it's really tough to be like, all right, go until you feel like you have three reps left in the tank and then trust that one, they're all going to actually follow that. And two, that they actually are going to understand what the hell that means and that they're going to be somewhat decent at being able to get there. So it's just a lot easier to do the percentages. But I do think, you know, I have had some examples where, um, you know, we've kind of auto-regulated in the weight room depending on, um, mainly it comes down to scheduling. So like a lot of times practices and games, they can come sometimes kind of get you know, moved around if it's postponed for weather and stuff like that. So maybe um, you think that your, your, your heavy day in the weight room or your more taxing day is going to come three or four days away from game day, it ends up getting pushed around and all of a sudden the game's tomorrow. You don't want to lift super heavy the day before. You still want to do something. So maybe you just do your main movement and then instead of doing a bunch of auxiliary lifts at the end, you do like a team mobility session. That's kind of a form of auto-regulation that I've used before. Just something simple. Um, again, it's one of those things where you can do it really poorly and you probably will do it, honestly, not that great at the beginning. But if you do it more often, like anything, you're going to get better at it. So I do think there's value in auto-regulation, obviously. And so another thing is um, being able to listen to your clients or your athletes, kind of seeing if they're – how sore are they feeling? Are they feeling kind of beat up? Sometimes the coach will even be like, hey, like I feel like we're getting a little bit run down. So it's good to communicate there so you can kind of adjust and adapt your workouts there in that in that regard. Another thing that I wanted to just quick touch on. So I have a, a whoop. It's basically like a fitness tracker. They're getting pretty popular now. And these basically you can look it up what all it does. It does a ton of different shit, but basically 
tracks like your strain and like your recovery percentage, your sleep, all that good stuff. So I would be interested to see um, if this would help paying attention to the data this gives you, if this would help you auto-regulate a little bit more accurately, or if it would go in the opposite direction and just kind of be, you know, screwing up, playing mind games with you. Because I know we were talking earlier back during like Christmas break when we were both home about sometimes, you know, if you pay attention to these fitness trackers and only, you know, only when they say that you're fully recovered, that's when you go hard. Sometimes you're going to be a little beat up and need to be able to actually push when you're still a little bit sore. That's how your body creates adaptations after a certain point. You can't just expect to be, I mean, if you only train on the days where you felt like it and felt 100% recovered, you probably wouldn't be training as often as you should to get those adaptations and to reach those goals. So that's my two cents worth. Yeah, I think you made a lot of really good points there. Um, one of the things I want to touch on too, so, you know, you mentioned for athletes specifically, but I also kind of couple in beginners. I do think that percentages might be a better go because like French said, um, it's very hard to get people to wrap their mind around that concept. And although I do most oftentimes like to implement a RPE or RIR system with my clients, um, depending on their needs, obviously, but I acknowledge that it's also going to take time for them to develop that. Um, and the idea behind kind of my philosophy is that in the long run, it'll pay, you know, dividends for them to know that because it's again, developing that intuition, um, with their own body. Uh, I do think like French said, a lot of people don't know how to push themselves. Um, and that's where I try to te teach people the concept of technical failure. Um, so obviously it depends on the style of training you're doing as well as the specific exercise. Um, you know, there's not a ton of danger to maybe getting a little sloppy on some cable curls, but if you work out by yourself and you're doing squats or you're doing bench press, uh, you know, going to technical failure is probably a good idea because, one, it's a lot safer. And two, uh, it's going to help you out in the long run. And usually it kind of encourages better technique. So, um, but like I said, for a lot of people, when they're beginners, using that system is just not really realistic because they can't really understand how far to push themselves. And also, on top of that, and this is something that I've noticed has taken me a while for this system to benefit me, um, is you, once you, even when, after you understand the concept, you'll still start to, uh, kind of play mind games with yourself every now and then. So you kind of have to check yourself. So every once in a while I'll have someone watch one of my sets and, or I'll send one of my friends, uh, a video of me and I'll be like, Hey, what do you think this RPE really was? And I won't tell them what I think it was because I don't want them to influence that. Um, but that way I can kind of get an idea of, okay, am I BSing myself here or is this actually how it was? But that is one of the, one of the tricky parts about that. And, you know, um, if you are just training someone who, you know, they just want to get in, get out um, and do the work. Uh, you know, I feel like percentages is a good place to start with them because it's just going to be easier them, for them to pick that up. And then, you know, you can push them when, you know, when they have to do 
80% for, you know, those higher rep sets, you know, that really takes a lot out of them. Um, then that'll give them an idea of, okay, this is what I'm capable of doing. Um, you know, they will have times where they're a little beat up, but that's normal. You're going to have to have that sometimes to create that adaptation. Um, so yeah, both of those systems are really good, but, uh, like I said, knowing how to auto-regulate within any of those systems, I think is super important. Um, so one of the, uh, prime examples of this last weekend, about Sunday, I started kind of feeling a little bit of a cold coming on. And so I slept most of Sunday and, uh, it was definitely, I definitely was not at a hundred percent. Um, but I felt decent enough to work out on Monday. Um, I pulled back a lot of my volume. Uh, I didn't select certain exercises. I had to swap some out because I knew I wasn't going to be able to push it that hard. And even if I was able to push it that hard, it might cause me to just get even more sick because I might just get more run down. Um, you know, your body's already trying to, uh, you know, rid yourself of sickness, let alone give it all this uh, stuff to have to worry about recovery and all that. So, um, one of the things that I usually suggest is if it's just congestion or, you know, if it doesn't feel like a full blown flu or, you know, something like, you know, really bad headaches or really bad stomach aches, if it's just a little congestion. Usually I say people can, uh, can work out and benefit from it. And, you know, I like, I'm a big proponent of the sauna when I'm sick. I feel like that really helps me accelerate the, um, you know, quote unquote healing process. But that being said, you have to know when you're going in there and you're sick, you're going to have to dial it back a little bit. Otherwise, it's just going to hurt you in the long run. So usually I suggest drop the volume a little bit, um, you know, work up a sweat. I think that helps. Uh, you know, that's uh, I think that that can help. And um, that's just one great example that everyone's going to encounter in their life everyone's gonna get sick every once in a while um, a lot of times you do just need to lay in bed and rest but certain times once you get up and get moving you'll feel better so that's something that anyone can do um, that you know just make change make changes to your training um, that'll also help you stay consistent you know obviously if you're that sick just take a day off but if you don't need to and it might actually help you, then that's a great time to know how to auto-regulate. Um, so that's just one example. Uh, another one is performance changes. So this is for the good or the bad. And this is why uh, one, of the, one of the things that I really liked about um, this app that we had in high school called Platform uh, was every once in a while, they'd have you do a rep max out. So you do like a five rep max or excuse me, you would pick a weight roughly that, uh, you know, maybe at the beginning of the program would have been a five rep max and you try to do it as many times as you can. Um, you know, if you get less than five, the program or the, yeah, the percentages adjust accordingly. Um, cause you, you know, you're probably not progressing like the percentages might reflect. Uh, and then if you got more than that, it would, it would probably bump them up. So that's one thing I really liked to kind of know how you're, progressing in a program. Cause like right now for me, uh, you know, I'm strength training again. I haven't really been strength training for like a year and a half, two years. So I didn't really know what my maxes were. 
Um, so I went off a, a little bit uh, of what I thought were my maxes, but as I progressed through this training block, um, I know for certain lifts, I've gotten a lot stronger just because of the work capacity I've built up. So I've had to adjust things, but I don't want to go too gung-ho too fast. So knowing how to auto-regulate is super important in that case. Um, and one of the best things to do, you know, is test yourself every once in a while to see, to give yourself, okay, what, how far along am I in reference to, um, you know, maybe where I used to be or where I want to be. Um, I can do this for this many reps or, you know, I can hold this position for this amount of time. Um, that gives you a good idea of how to change your programming. Cause a lot of times, you know, our bodies change from day to day, from week to week, especially from month to month. So the training you planned out at, you know, maybe the beginning of the year might not be appropriate in the next month. So I think knowing how to change that is important. That being said, one of the worst things you can do as a beginner is constantly change up your training. Um, you know, that's, that's one of the biggest rookie mistakes is never seeing something through. So that doesn't mean like every three weeks you're switching up your whole plan. Um, but it doesn't mean periodically you should test yourself, um, to kind of see where you're at, what you're made of and how to make changes, uh, to your training based on that. Cause a lot of times, you know, I'm guilty of wanting to stick to the program, stick to the program, stick to the program. And then I feel like I either leave a lot on the table or I, you know, maybe overshoot on certain things because I'm not listening to how my, what my body actually needs. Um, another thing too, is a lot of times you learn what works for you pretty quickly, um, or you learn something new, you know, maybe there's emerging research or something. Then I think that's another good time to switch things up. Um, and like I said before, I used to be all about sticking to the plan, stick to the plan, stick to the plan. Um, and then after a while I noticed, okay, you know, if I'm training for hypertrophy and first two weeks, I notice I really don't like this exercise. It doesn't connect well. I don't have a mind muscle connection with it. I don't feel it great. It's uncomfortable. Maybe it kind of stresses my lower back or something like that. Um, in the past, I probably would have just stuck it through for the next six to 12 weeks. Now I've kind of realized, Hey, it's not the end of the world. If you change one exercise, it's going to be okay. Um, and I know that sounds simple, but that, that is a lot of the mistakes that I would make early on in training. Um, so I do think you can be a little bit flexible there. Um, but, and here's the key with all this stuff, when you're making these changes, when you're auto-regulating, make sure the transition is smooth because when you just change something right away, it can really throw things off. And just like if you're doing any, you know, experiment, you know, they always say if, if you're doing an experiment, you don't want to change more than one variable because then you don't know what's really making the change. So a lot of times when I am making these changes in my training, I like to ease into it a little bit. Um, so if I'm, you know, if you feel like you don't have enough volume in your program, rather than adding like five sets week throughout the week, um, maybe just start with one or two and just see how your recovery is and then go from there. Um, you know, it's also like if you're coming off of a competition, you want to change things up. You have a big plan for how to start after your competition. That's great. But 
notice, like realize you're going to be beat up from that competition. Um, your body's been training to adapt and, you know, French can expand that on this even more. So with, with yearly, um, you know, plans, but your body's trained to, um, perform a certain way. And if you're switching up your training drastically, you know, that a lot of times is where a lot of injuries can occur or it can just halt your progress. If you don't spend that time to transition smoothly, um, you know, uh, a lot of times you'll see this, or I feel like, um, I would see this with, uh, when I would change up my training early on, because I would get super excited about trying something new. Um, but then it would just kind of go to shit in the first two weeks because I would just go all out with this, with this new thing, uh, and just add a bunch of different exercises, add all this different stuff. And then, you know, I would either be crazy, too crazy sore to where in three weeks I'm burnt out or, uh, you know, I get overwhelmed with all these different things and can't figure out which one of them is actually working to do something. Um, so that's my main thing with this auto regulation stuff. When you're making changes, just, you know, tinker with stuff here and there, make sure it's a smooth transition. Um, and yeah, hopefully that makes sense. That was kind of a ramble. All good. I I don't think I could have put it any better. So, yeah, that was that was good stuff for sure. Definitely a learned awesome. skill from what I can what I can tell from this. But something that if you yeah. do consistently over time, will obviously get better at it and hopefully pay off in your training. So, yeah, yeah, and just to kind of cap this out, I would just say, um, you know, listen to your body. Obviously, there's going to be times where you can't, you know, just go based off feel. But, but I do think that a lot of times people ignore certain cues from their body um, because they want to achieve a certain goal. And while that is practical certain times, um, you can definitely get carried away with it. So if you notice you're having a little nagging pain here and there and you're like, ah, I should probably get that fixed, but you know, I'll worry about it next block or I'll worry about it once I do this competition or whatever. Just do something to address it now. You know, like I said, transition smoothly. So maybe make one change, see if it helps at all, but do something. Um, and otherwise it's gonna kind of come back to bite you. Uh, and so I think that's a really important skill to learn. Um, because in, in the past couple of years, had injuries here and there, especially. Um, when you're dealing with those, um, that's, you know, that's the worst, that's never any fun for anybody. So, you know, just try to sprinkle in, you know, I, I messed around with stuff like yoga. I messed around with how much cardio I was cardio I was doing. Um, you know, I messed around with certain, certain exercises and, and, uh, you know, volume ratios, how much, how much hamstring work am I doing? You know, do I need to spend extra time warming up this? Uh, you know, do I need to do a little, uh, shoulder mobility, uh, routine before I bench press stuff like that. Um, I think it can make a big difference, but, uh, yeah. So unless you have anything else to add French, my oh, man, this was a RPE masterclass by Nolan Meyer. Hope you guys enjoyed. <laughs> nice. Okay. Yeah. Well, hopefully you guys got something from this. Like I said, a lot of this, unfortunately you will have to learn just trial by fire um, you know, learning your own body. But if you are a coach, I do think it's a very important principle to understand because your 
clients or athletes are not necessarily going to know how to do this, or they're not going to feel comfortable telling you when they feel like they need a break or, you know, um, they, they might not want to. So you have to kind of learn how to do this, how to transition them smoothly, um, what signs to look for. Uh, like I said, evaluate their performance throughout the training cycle. Um, that'll help you adjust your program accordingly. Um, because if you're really trying to optimize performance, obviously you're not changing things up every day, but you should be tinkering with stuff here and there to kind of get things optimal. So hopefully you guys got something for this and see you guys in our next podcast. Thanks. Thanks.